Have you visited maps.org lately to check out everything that's going on in the maps world and to sign up for the e-newsletter to stay up to date on all the latest news and information and updates on everything? Please do maps.org. podcast here we all are episode 22 of the maps podcast this is zach leary your host i am so happy that you are here this week on the podcast we have a talk from psychedelic science 2017 by the great the legendary the luminous the extraordinary kathleen harrison and her talk entitled cannabis and spirituality exploring the plant-human-spirit relationship. Um, we'll talk more about that in a second. Uh, fantastic talk, and I think you'll, you'll really enjoy it. But before we get into that, I wanted to remind you beautiful listeners that are endowed with the glorious divine sense of curiosity and exploration to even have the courage and the bravery and the sense of grace to open up and explore these cosmic realms as uh, psychonauts of the universe. I wanted to remind you, friends, to please go to iTunes and review this podcast if you could. It really does help. It helps um, get placements in other places and perhaps even get iTunes to feature it. So please go to iTunes and leave it a review. Even if you don't want to write a review, you can just rate it on their star measuring system. That would be super cool. And maps, go to the maps Twitter feed, I think is uh, perhaps the most uh, consistent and frequent way of getting uh, in, sucked in, and uh, turned on to all the great information and goings-ons within the maps universe. Um, And I know a lot of people are very interested in what's going on with uh, phase three PTSD studies with MDMA, and you'll of course get a lot of news on that. And MAPS is also conducting a fundraiser right now. You can go to maps.org slash donate today and you can help them legalize psychedelic medicine by donating towards the ongoing psychedelic and marijuana research that MAPS is spearheading. Very, very important. Just a little general housekeeping. Now we're going to take a little journey into Food of the Gods by Terence McKenna. Ballad of the Dreaming Weavers, Cannabis and Culture No plant has been a continuous part of the human family longer than the hemp plant. Hemp seeds and remains of ancient cordage have been found in the earliest strata of many Eurasian habitation sites. Cannabis, a native of the heartlands of Central Asia, was spread throughout the world by human agency. It was introduced into Africa at a very early date and cold-adapted strains traveled with the early human beings who crossed the land bridge into the New World. Because of its pandemic range and environmental adaptability, cannabis has had a major impact on human social forms and cultural self-images. 
Chinese tradition holds that hemp cultivation began as early as the 28th century BC, when the emperor Shangdong taught the cultivation of hemp for fiber. And around AD 220, the physician Hao Tho evidently re recommended hemp preparations in wine for use as an anesthetic. He once said, after a certain number of days, or the end of a month, the patient finds he has recovered without having experienced the slightest pain during the operation. Cannabis was used and regarded as a plant of great spiritual power for many centuries in India before it was first smoked. Awareness of hemp in India cannot be documented before 1000 BC, but by that time it was known as a remedy and the names for it in use in the earliest Indian pharmacopoeias indicate that its activity as a euphoriant was clearly understood. So that was from Food of the Gods by Terence McKenna. And the reason that I chose that excerpt is because I thought it just gave um, some great context and uh, was a great setup for the podcast that we are about to listen to in that it details just a quick little overview of the indigenous history of cannabis and its relationship into our ecosystem and as well as uh, relationship in the human the human culture and our society but also very very importantly and worth noting kathleen harrison was married to terence mckenna and in 1985 they started botanical dimensions collect protect propagate and understand She's an ethnobotanist who loves to explore the relationship between plants, mushrooms, and human beings, particularly in the realms that are often hidden. Cultural beliefs, personification of species, rituals of healing and initiation, vision-seeking modalities, and artistic creations that illustrate the plant-human relationship. And this talk by Kathleen Harrison is from Psychedelic Science 2017. Cannabis and Spirituality, Exploring the Plant-Human-Spirit Relationship, and I hope you enjoy it. It's a good one. So our next speaker is Kathleen Harrison. Uh, she's an ethnobotanist. She's based here in California. She's the head of Botanical Dimensions, an NGO that I, I, she has funded, I think, almost three decades ago uh, with her former partner, Terence Makina. Uh, she has uh, done a series of publications and lectures, and she also hosts um, uh, a series of ethnobotanical courses in Sonoma County. And she is a... Hero to many of us. Welcome, Kat. Thank you very much. Thank you all for being here and for inviting me. And um, I'm particularly delighted, actually, to be talking about uh, cannabis and spirituality. Um, cannabis is a very beloved old friend and ally of mine, and I'll talk a little about that, uh, about my particular relationship, um, after we talk about ways of thinking of this, ways of approaching um, this, uh, this plant that has um, 
been with us for such a long time, for such a very long time. So yes, we have this ancient history with, with cannabis. Uh, we talk about coevolution, and I think actually uh, there has been coevolution of humans with cannabis, but the origins of cannabis and of, in fact, most of the plants in the world, all of them really, uh, are far older than the origins of hominids and humans. So uh, the plants were developing their own, um, uh, their bodies, their forms, their chemistry, their relationship in habitat and all of that long before uh, humans were even a, a sparkle in the plant's eyes. <laughs> and, um, and then uh, we came along and clearly bonded with uh, particularly a, a relatively few number of plants, we being human beings, uh, a few plants on the planet. And some of those, depending on their utility to us, uh, this is ethnobotany, um, uh, our relationship with them deepened, it got uh, woven into our sense of who we are as humans and to cultures, how we live, how we do things, and um, what are sort of the staples of our environment. And of course we know, you know that some of the food plants that we really rely on, particularly the grasses and carbohydrates and, and uh, various other ones have been our um, companions for a very long time. Um, human beings uh, developing over a couple of hundred thousand years, cultivation that we know of really starting about 12,000 years ago, domestication of wild species. So that's the time frame. But we know that uh, wild cannabis species were uh, regarded as sacred um, a very long time ago, perhaps 30,000 years ago, uh, there's all sorts of opinions and variations on these dates, but based on archaeological evidence in graves, in shrouds, flowers, the buds put into graves with people who died of illnesses, the fiber of uh, cannabis clothing being made into shrouds that wrapped the dead, and particularly um, the dead uh, of uh, people who were revered. Um, and uh, and you probably know, we, we mostly, uh, most of us know that uh, the original cannabis species seem to have evolved in Central Asia, and uh, we're guessing that they were traded even before we had something that we think of now as the Silk Road, but they were then still being traded, um, you know, from the Indian subcontinent up onto the Silk Road, all the way up into China and back, and then eventually over into the Near East and reaching uh, Europe and, um, and Africa um, thousands of years ago still, all of this thousands of years ago, very much because cannabis gives us many forms of help. It gives us fiber in the stems, cloth, Canvas comes from the word, same as cannabis, because cloth has been made from cannabis for so long. The nutritional seeds and their oil, and then the enhancement. I personally like to avoid the word intoxicant because it really means poison, even though we all know that we've enjoyed being intoxicated. It's, you know, if we're changing as many things as our subgroup here is changing and willing to consider, um, 
shifts in awareness, then we can we can shift the language too. We've already done it with psychedelics and and a number of terms that we use. And and I'm edging away from intoxicants, so I just suggest that to you. Enhancements is a word that I that I enjoy. I think enhance actually comes from looking up. <laughs> Thank you. Pass it on. Um, um, so, let's see. I distracted myself. <laughs> um, so, oh, I know. I wanted to, to lead us through this bit of history first because then um, cannabis came to the New World way back 500 years ago, both from Europeans who had embraced it and from Africans who had embraced it, African slaves, and was brought in to South America and North America. So it's moved with people all through this long history. It's moved with humans, humans who were on the move because we used to be nomadic and semi-nomadic and then exploratory, and, and then people as it is delivered to them, embrace it because it's just such a multifaceted, marvelously collaborative plant. Collaborative in that it responds to the way we take care of it. It you can you can encourage it toward fiber production, toward oil production, toward uh, uh, THC production. I mean, our generation, our Several generations who we're now are happy to say are cannabis-loving generations um, have learned so much about plants, about the plant world from cannabis. I have joked before that cannabis is a, a gateway herb. Be careful or it might teach you about other herbs. Uh, <laughs> it might teach you about gardening. It might teach you about, um, you know, walking in nature with your eyes open and really looking at the beauty of nature and looking at other plants that you've never really taken a good gaze at before. It's a, it's a plant that provides for us a kind of a threshold of perception and curiosity and impetus to learn more. It has those capacities. We know it has its shadow side, all of these marvelous organisms have their shadow as well. The shadow comes very much from us, doesn't it? It's just, how, what is our relationship? And this is a relationship. This is a long, um, varied, uh, multi-fingered relationship that we have to this, to this species or this genus, cannabis. And, um, and w that's one of the things that's kind of nice about it. I'm, I'm very glad to see at this conference that people are beginning to talk about cultural appropriation and the problems with our, our culture's sort of instant fascination with yet another magnificent mushroom or brew or cactus or whatever it is, and then we just want to suck it up and make it our own and have it all and not think about the consequences of that. And yes, it's marvelous for us, but we, we really should be thinking in all of these expanded ways about the consequences of any of our actions and do it in the most conscious way. This is a consciousness movement still, I think. And uh, <laughs> Thank you. Um, so one of the things that's just lovely about cannabis is that it's been with so many people around the world for so long, moving along on its own, 
catching a ride. It's what they call a ruderal. It follows the road, and the people make the road. So it's kind of like hooked, taken, made the choice as a plant to connect to humans and follow humans along. And that means that it has many, many historic cultural approaches and belief systems and um, uh, rituals and all of that. And it's, it's gathered those up. They're all in there in its character. The deep, deep botany all the way back to 200 million years ago, the evolution, the discovery by Neanderthals of cannabis and then by Homo sapiens of cannabis and who knows how many other human species enjoyed cannabis. We don't know that. There's a PhD somebody could do. Um, <laughs> and then all the way up through human history and all of the ways it's manifested in culture all the roles that we can imagine it's played around the fire, enhancing song, enhancing prayer, enhancing um, the appreciation of beauty. So it's sort of a relief that now we are here in this moment. We are at a threshold uh, where it's sort of being legalized. That's something to be careful about proclaiming, I think, but, but sort of. And um, nevertheless, even without being legalized, I, I just really like to look at what is the story of the person of any plant species? What is that persona doing here? What is it seeking in its own evolution? Why do some of these seem to hook up with humans? It maybe isn't just our insatiable appetite for new experience and new material and new pleasures and all of that. It may have something to do with the species' desire to move into new realms, or even to help. And um, I'm going to read a quote here from the, the Middle Ages that I've shared before, but I always think it's useful to think about. When poisons get too heavy, know that cures arise, remedies appear. They come to mind, they appear at hand, because they are nearby, and that is the way it has always been. We might say that about all the psychedelics, but I, I certainly feel that about cannabis, that it's nearby, it has always been nearby, it's got many roles to play, it plays them really well, how well is up to us, really, you know? And, um, and, and so then that leads me to the question that I ask in, um, in all my intimate plant relationships, which is, who are you? Who, using that question, that using those skills that we have as human beings to see other people, to meet a new person and really wonder, oh, what does that person look like? What does that person feel like? I think I'm kind of interested to know more about that person or no, that person is not my cup of tea. Or, you know, we have, we have built-in um, uh, qualitative assessment tools. We're not all botanists. That's a different set of tools. But... Uh, the sense of who is cannabis, it gives me an entree then to having a conversation with this, from my perspective, and I'm not the only one who, who shares this, um, with this being, with what I experience and feel as a, as a great female being, persona, warmth, awareness body. And, um, and I want to share with you the uh, small ways that I have 
experienced and that I practice um, my cannabis relationship. Um, because I, I feel that, uh, that even those of us who love cannabis sometimes feel a little bit of shame, like, oh, I'm escaping, oh, I really shouldn't, but I will anyway, oh, gosh, I got stoned last week, or I got stoned this morning, or whatever it is, you know, uh, maybe I shouldn't again, and, um, or, oh, don't let my wife know I'm getting stoned again, or, you know, whatever, those kinds of things, which is, like, yes, habitual use of anything is a problem, and we know that, so we don't have to discuss that more right now. But to be clear in a relationship with something you love that sometimes benefits you and doesn't hurt anyone else, it, it's really good to examine that relationship. And that's where this who is you, can we, who are you, can we collaborate, can we do the work of being alive together. Cannabis seems to offer herself in that role. And I think now as so many of us are aging and dealing with the very, um, you know, uh, intense experience of aging bodies and of the embodiment of entropy, you know, if you didn't know what entropy was, just try getting old and then you'll find out. <laughs> and, um, and, and I find that cannabis is, that's part of what she's here for, is to help us mediate this, this embodiment, this process of having a body in our lives and what, and both the sensual aspects and the joy and the delight of our senses in music and vision and seeing the world, but also, uh, and, and dealing with pain, of course, you know, and, and the elders definitely, that's anyone with pain, but it, it's definitely um, a major learning area for us as we move into aging and insomnia and all of these different um, uh, experiences that are so able to diminish the joy of life. But also, I, I, part of my practice that I have learned when I smoke, which is usually alone, and I don't just smoke it, and I sometimes take a oil extract that I make, just a simple, I've learned from herbalists, so just simple processes. Um, but it's to greet the plant in my body as, um, as my big sister, as my big, warm ally who knows me so well. I mean, she really knows me better than almost any of the other herbs. And I use a lot of herbs in my life, you know, but I just always feel like it's like two old friends getting together. We always know where to pick up the conversation, you know, and what's happened since then and what moves on. So it's Dose matters. You don't want to get bombed if you want to have a conversation with a plant. You know, you want to be in the right communicative level. Often being alone matters. And a lot of people only get high with other people. And then it is a totally different. It's social and maybe you have anxiety about if you're talking enough or too much or, you know, whatever that, that stuff is. And um, so if we're trying to stick to like spiritual, a spiritual sense of a very um, welcoming plant who has made herself incredibly available and taught us a whole lot, and she's right here all the time, 
prohibition or not, we have not been dampened by prohibition, have we? So there's something about this plant that people who wouldn't break the law in other ways have been breaking the law for a long time with cannabis now. The whole 80 years of this absurd prohibition, people have continued on, you know, having this relationship. But we can continue learning from it and refine this relationship. So one of my practices when I first really feel it settle in over me is, hello, so nice to be with you again. I get to experience this plant. This plant gets to experience me, gets to experience having hands and eyes and a mind that wanders and and wonders about things. And then I think about what am I grateful for today? What are my blessings right now? It's a wonderful thing to do for anyone in any state of mind to just count your blessings, and it just makes us feel better. I mean, there are actually scientific studies on the positive effects of gratitude and, uh, and of being consciously grateful. We're so lucky, aren't we? We're not refugees. We're not poisoned. We're not in some war right now. We're you know, sitting in a psychedelic conference in a fancy hotel in Northern California. I mean, it's really about as good as it gets. (laughs) And so um, that practice of gratitude and remembering to go to that grateful place, you know, even if it's just for one minute, each time you have a taste of this marvelous old friend of ours, you know, that's a, that's a wonderful practice. And I think it infuses our work for going onwards and it, and it, it helps us not to suffer from depression and all of that. We still have the work to do. It doesn't blind us. It's not escapism. It doesn't blind us to all the suffering in the world. And in fact, I think it really opens up our compassion for the suffering in the world. And I spend the next section of my the next few minutes of my experience, often looking at just scanning from that high place. It takes us higher. It takes us to the eagle eye view, you know, or, or to the, uh, to the uh, it takes us to a view floating above it can. And that floating above viewpoint um, allows me to see uh, the, the pockets of terrible suffering, the trends of, of, um, excess and bad habits, places that I might mend in my life, and then back to being here now, just being here now, just being. And that, I think, is also marvelous. These are techniques of meditation. You know that if you're a meditator or you have any background with that, you know these techniques. But with cannabis, it gives us yet another, um, gives us yet another uh, tool for being in that place. I want to tell you that being high... Uh, reminded me of something that I learned um, uh, many years ago, 40, 50 (laughs) years ago, when I was uh, not calling myself an ethnobotanist yet, but I was hanging out with indigenous people on the west coast of Mexico and um, and with a bunch of fishing, fishing families. And at the end of the day, the fishermen who were, you know, not totally traditional, they were traditional indigenous, they were syncretic, they smoked cannabis. At the end of a long, hard day, they would take a hit of cannabis and lie back on the sand and say, ah, estoy hasta la madre. I have reached the mother. I'm up in the arms of the mother. And that was a really um, 
crystal clear moment for me. I was in my early 20s. I thought, okay, this plant is a mother in a sense. It's a high view. It's something that eases people who were working really hard. It, I already loved cannabis. That wasn't a new one to me. But, but this point of view and this sense of it being a being and of, or carrying you to that was very important. And I, I just, I guess um, I want to thank cannabis right now in this talk before it's done uh, for the, the ways in which it has revitalized our culture's relationship to nature, to music, to magic, to... Uh, in some cases, even to prayer. I mean, all of these, how we define spirituality would take a much longer talk to talk about. But uh, all of these things that are inspired, inspiration is, is from the same respiration. It's breathing. It's spirit. It's breath. Those all come from the same word. And so the creativity that comes uh, with that kind of, uh, of inspiration with the relationship to something that is ready and able to inspire us is it's a one of the gifts of the world that we have the opportunity to appreciate in many different ways and the ways that I'm suggesting are just some of them I'll give you a little bit of a side note here um, in case you didn't know this about uh, my former partner Terrence um, I don't talk about him much but uh, it amuses me that people so uh, associate him with DMT and mushrooms, which, of course, he had plenty to say on those topics. Um, but his deepest relationship was to cannabis, and it was all day, every day. And it was excellent hash or excellent herb, and it, it was we were sister wives. That's... <laughs> And I just think for all of the Terrence fans and scholars and all of that, the people should know that. That was his main plant, honestly, you know. So I just thought an opportunity to reveal a little household lore there. <laughs> and um, um, I think I have just one moment. Um, I think that uh, the question, again, about the the story, the long story we're in, and who this person is, who, what is the persona of cannabis, and really, I would ask, why is she here now so strongly? Why has she been revitalized, brought back up to be so much on the surface? And so I'll leave you with that question. I'll leave you with the question of, of, uh, of why is she here now, and what is she doing, and what is your relationship to her? Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm, my name is Justin from Bud.com, and uh, so so <laughs> cheered by 
by the vision you've brought of this spirit that's, that's filling our society greater. Maybe it's too soon for legalization, but I, I'm struck by how tactile you make the plant sound in your life. And I think if you scanned this room, most, so many of these people would have single-serving electric devices that deliver a cannabis sort of oil and vapor into their face that's, that's you know, like two or three production steps away from the plant handling and the, and the gateway herb you described. So is that a, a celebration of the spirit of the, the Sky Mother coming to lift us up, or is that a sort of a technological... Uh, you know, sort of sad parting from the plant tactility? Well, thanks. That's a good question. And um, I, I mean, partly it's just I'm old school. I'm, you know, a senior citizen. And, uh, <laughs> and, um, and also I have, you know, my attachments and nostalgia to the old ways. But I, I do find, and I do try to try everything that's not dangerous at least once to see... Um, what, what I'm talking about. <laughs> but um, I, I do find that that pushes it a little bit more toward that other category drug and away from plant and, uh, and live material, plant and mushroom um, experiences. And, you know, this conference is about, I love some drugs like LSD, for instance. So I'm, I don't want to say that that isn't a Valid, but it does take the living plant and our connection to it and stretch it out over to where it's an extraction through a device where we never have to see the plant. It doesn't smell the same. I'm, I've said before, I love smoke. I, I, there are indigenous traditions of reading the smoke that you exhale because the smoke has information in it. Actually reading uh, the smoke as it flows from you and the forms that it takes or reading it as it comes off of a pipe or as we do off of incense sometimes. You can get stoned and watch incense. That's really fun. Um, <laughs> but but um, I, I, I think if we want to have, if we want to remember that we are nature and that a lot of what we're talking about here is nature, than to have a nature experience where you're smoking actual plant material that you touch and smell or you even see growing or you know somebody who's growing it and then you go into nature and you walk in nature, you sit in the garden or in the park in town. I mean, those are that's a body of experience that all goes together that is achievable, even if you like your vaporizer in your meeting hall, you know. So I would just uh, suggest that you... Try that, too, when you can. Thank you. Last question. Yes, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. I'm curious if you can speak to the ways that cannabis might um, embody some qualities of the trickster. I've heard that said about cannabis, and I've perhaps had some experiences I'm mulling over as you're talking, and I wonder if you can speak to, speak to that quality mm -hmm. of the plant medicine. Thank you. Um, uh, yes, as the trickster. It's true that, um, it, it, as I said before, it's, it, it's humans, I think, that are so tricky. But um, we, if we're not seeking balance, and, and uh, Sandor, the speaker earlier, said, you know, healing is balance, and that's, 
that's uh, what we all need and what we're all going for. And I agree and have said the same thing. And if you're seeking balance as part of your daily practice, and if you're seeking it, your practice of life, and then if you're seeking it as part of your relationship with cannabis, then you know how much is too much and how much is just right or when it's time to stand back for a few days or a few months or a few years even, you know. And you know that it's a relationship like we have with each other. And so you know that that means you don't want to see, even people you really care about, you don't want to see them all the time, right? You like the ebb and flow of your relationship. It gets, it, it's more spacious. It allows more awareness to happen in it. And if we're not seeking balance and we go into a relationship with cannabis or any other um, powerful entity like that, then we're in danger of just getting lost in it. We don't apply the light of our own self-reflection to it. This is about self-reflection. I mean, the, part of the spiritual relationship is, is self-awareness, right? And so if you have a practice where you quietly on your own have just a little and meditate with that, and then after you've understood or seen a few things and have just a little bit more, meditate on that, maybe only do that once in a while, um, then you're probably more, much more likely at least to be in balance with it. It's so hard, I know, we've all known, you know, really gone potheads who are troubled, we're all troubled by it, or they're troubled, and their relationships suffer because all their human relationships become, you know, secondary or tertiary to their, to their habits, and, it, and it's not a well, they're not self-aware, they're suffering, they're suffering. So I don't know that I would say cannabis itself is tricky. I just think it's really tricky to remember to approach it consciously. And I am also, I just want to be clear for the record, I'm not saying don't have a good time with it. You know, I mean, I too will smoke with friends or go to a concert or laugh and with others and love that. It's not just that it should always be prayerful, but I, I feel like if somebody's got a real problem with their cannabis habit, then they need help of different sorts, and they may not know to ask for that. Um, it has to do with grounding, grounding and clearing and cleansing and all of these traditional techniques that indigenous healers would use on someone who they saw was in a cloud, was in a fog. Thank you. I just um, would like to remind everybody that Kat wrote an uh, article for a book called Cannabis and Spirituality. This book is being launched in the marketplace in Symposia stage. I invite you to visit the marketplace as well. And uh, I thank Kat and those that you, you thank cannabis and we thank you that <laughs> open paths for us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone.